This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. So welcome one, welcome all to the Simple Politics Podcast. I'm your host and political grain of sand, Kobe Obanaka, and I'm joined as always by my co-hosts and political beaches... Diane and Tatton. What did you just call Diane? <laughs> <laughs> the same thing I called you. <laughs> How dare you? I'm not thinking Blackpool Beach in the 80s here. I'm thinking, you know, a good one. Oh, a nice, yeah, Devon Cove. All is forgiven. <laughs> I do want to pause just at the top of this show because this week it's come out that Kobe was on the TV show Gladiators <laughs> about 15 years ago. Oh, if it were up to me, this podcast would just be asking him. We've just found out before we came on air that he was in a week-long training camp. I for know. It. They put him <laughs> up. And I just want to know more about that. So maybe tune into our new Gladiators podcast starting soon. If you listeners have any questions, I will answer them in the next episode. Oh, amazing. 100%. Yes, do send us questions. Yeah, send us Gladiators I've got questions. a few. <laughs> <laughs> For listeners, not you guys, your co-hosts. Gladiator stuff aside, and that revelation being uncovered recently to you guys, let's get on with the podcast. Let's go to the first part, which is, as always, looking at the top posts as presented in the Simple Politics Instagram feed. Tatton, what is number three? In at three is the government's plan. So the government have a thing called Smoke Free 2030, which is where we're going to have no smoking cigarettes by 2030, which seems, I mean, it seems a very challenging target. I think the actual target is to have a bit fewer cigarettes being smoked by 2030 rather than absolutely no one. In New Zealand, they've like they've, they've made it so that if you are 18, you'll never be able to buy a cigarette legally. It's going to stagger up as you get older. We're not doing anything as dramatic as that. But the post itself has plans that we're going to give out loads of vaping kits to people who say they smoke to so your gp you know if you i don't know if you go to, how often you go to your gp your gp will ask you do you smoke and people say yes and then it says do you want to give up and a lot of people say yes and then obviously they don't particularly but they feel like they've got to tell the doctor they want to give up right so they're now going to get vaping kits vaping starter kits and they're going to have behavioral support apparently i don't know what that means but they're going to have behavioral support and also like they're going to give pregnant women they really need pregnant women to not smoke right that's quite kind of a big thing so they're going to offer them like vouchers to incentivize them to not smoke while they're pregnant also, they're going to try and clap down on underage vape sales, although they weren't quite clear in the press release as to how they're going to crack down on underage vape sales. It seems counterintuitive to this piece with giving vape starter kits, but then also cracking down on, on underage vape sales. Are, still, are they differentiating between vaping and smoking? Yeah, I think the whole thing is, if you smoke health-wise, they believe it's better to vape. 
But really, they didn't really want anyone to vape either, especially not underage people. So, yeah, it's complicated, isn't it? But like, but like, if you think about methadone, right? If you're trying to get off heroin, you get given a drug called methadone, right? Which is like a less potent form. I don't know much about it, but it's a less potent form of heroin. It kind of eases you off. But I don't think they want to go around giving children methadone right? You don't want children having methadone, but you do want people coming off heroin to have methadone. So I don't think it is a double standard. It's, well, if it is a double standard, it's a double standard we already have in other areas. I'll be interested, guys, to see how this plays out, because I think one of the things that always comes into the back of my mind is, has Rishi Sunak done the maths on this? Is smoking going to then reduce the amount of people going to the NHS and then reduce the amount of tax burden based on, on smoking? Has he, has he fully done the maths? Because there'll be lots of businesses who have a vested interest in people smoking, who will, I think it'll make it harder for him to do it than a lot of non-smokers would want it to happen. I think it's on its way. Um, before we do move on, I, do, I read an, an amusing story about smoking that I, should, that I want to share with you, which is the Department of Leveling Up in Westminster, in Whitehall, has had to create a special smoking area on the roof because Michael Gove likes to smoke occasionally. And when he goes outside the building, like everybody else does, he just gets abused by passers-by. <laughs> so because he doesn't, he doesn't like standing outside the building. So there's a little Michael Gove space on the roof <laughs> for smoking purposes. And what's more, the thing that has outraged a few people on that is that it's taxpayers' money that's been used for his, his own smoking shed. Oh, I mean, how much? How much taxpayers' money, really? We'll maybe find out if uh, Rishi does his maths and shows us. We are getting to maths. <laughs> Don't yeah, worry. It's Chill. coming. <laughs> Number two, Diane. Okay, so this is about short-term lets, better known as Airbnbs, holiday homes, that kind of thing. Basically, what is happening is that a consultation is being opened. Now, we don't often get too excited about consultations, but this one, lots of people really want to have their say if, if we look at the comments. And it's going to be asking people whether there should be some stricter rules around the number of properties that can be short-term rentals in certain areas, particularly tourist hotspots. Tatton lives in one, I live in one, and it is a problem for local residents who don't often have access to properties. So I had a friend really recently who could not find anywhere to rent in my village whatsoever. It was just nigh on impossible. And from the point of view, if you look at it from the owner of a, a short-term rental, if they're purely looking at it from a business point of view, it makes complete sense. You can get as much in a week from people coming down and booking a holiday than you can from a local paying you a month's rent. So from their point of view, they can absolutely make over the money that they could make having some, a local resident in or a local family in, because that is just the way the tourist economy works. That is just how it works. But should that be more regulated? That's the question the government are asking. It's on gov.uk. Anyone can submit. Anyone can have their say and, and submit an opinion before the 7th of June. It doesn't mean necessarily that what you say or put forward will happen but it all adds to the debate around this you know and they're looking at certain exclusions so if if we do get stricter on holiday homes but there might be people who just let out their house maybe you know 28 days a year when they go on holiday and they let someone else come in that they might be quite relaxed about that so there's lots of things they're looking at and it is worth 
if you feel strongly about it, having your say. That 28 days rule you're talking about is something that's quite evident in Edinburgh, for example, most certainly around the, the, the month of the Edinburgh Festival where yeah. a good bunch of locals say, here's my house, here's my property, I'm going to go off. And when I come back, you would have paid a good chunk of my mortgage for me. Thank you very much. The Lawn Tennis Association do the same in Wimbledon because they book houses for like the players. But if you play, like then you get to stay in a really swanky one. And if you're, you know, well, whoever else, like, like not everyone does. But yeah, they rent they rent houses off people, and people do just leave their homes. Completely understandable. What is the number one most popular post? The number one most popular post is about uh, football. The government are looking at changing gambling rules because gambling's everywhere. And if you want to gamble, then that's kind of got to be allowed because it's fun to gamble. A lot of people think it's quite fun to gamble. Just put a few quid on. The Grand National was on. I don't know who if you put money on a horse or which protester was going to get the race cancelled or whatever you might have put your money on for the Grand National. People love it. But it's also seriously problematic for people for whom it's problematic. Watching football, it is impossible to escape gambling. It's everywhere. The adverts at half time, they sponsor the shirts. If you listen on Saturday to Talk Sport, the commentator keeps cutting away to the Betfair expert to tell us what the odds are on stuff happening next. Like it's everywhere. And the government are basically saying, we're coming for you. We're going to make some changes because we're not supporting people the way a responsible government should support people. And the Premier League this week agreed to ban gambling sponsors on the fronts of their shirts. It's not the 26-27 season. And I think that is because people will have current deals that run that long rather than them just being a bit wet. This is them trying to do something so that something isn't done to them. Over time, they've got to get rid of their reliance on gambling. We've done it with cigarettes. Cigarette advertising was everywhere, and now it's not. And all the sports that said we can't get rid of cigarette advertising have all managed to get rid of cigarette advertising. Formula One was a, was a huge one, for example. It was just cigarette advertising cars. and The first one-day cricket tournament was the Benson and Hedges Cup. Wow. Right. It's just how it was. Tobacco and sports companies lobbied so hard to keep it. And actually, everyone is now fine without it. And we've got to allow people who find gambling problematic, we've got to allow them to still watch football. I think there's partly also football. I mean, my kid plays football on a Saturday morning. And if you're presenting gambling opportunities to kids at a very young age, when they're very impressionable and they're into the football, then it's hard to get out of the system. And that's something you can't, you can't, age, you can't age gate. If you're presenting it as a part of the sport, an endemic, you're not really doing football right unless you've got a five-bet acre. <laughs> the adverts are incredibly complicated, specific for gamblers. Like, it's not like, oh, do you think Arsenal are going to win? It's like, well, who's, who's going to get the first touch and score three goals and plus three expected corners or whatever else? And it's a good thing they've done it. I hope the government take further steps. I think self-regulation doesn't go deep enough. It's looking at the jumping on their own terms rather than being pushed. Shirt sponsorship is a small fraction of all the sponsors that goes on football. Like you say, if they're not going to ban it on the media, they're not going to ban the how you can build accumulators in the adverts between the games, it's not going to mean that much impact. So this is them saying, look, we're doing something. Yeah, I think it is. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. 
Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Okay, guys, thank you very much. Let's go to the second part of the podcast. That is the mailbag. That's over to you guys as the readers and listeners to tell us what you want to know about. Diane, what have we got this week? Okay, as always, we get some great questions, but I've been really picky and I've gone for one that's just quite timely because we talked about voter registration closing this week and Vanessa Aldridge on Instagram wrote us a lovely message and asks if we can explain the upcoming 4th of May elections in simple terms. What is it for? She said, I'm a bit clueless when it comes to politics, which I say, Vanessa... Don't worry, you're in the right place. This is totally fine. And she wants to vote, but she doesn't know what she's actually voting for. So can we break it down? Can we explain it? Can we simplify it? Can we do it within a certain time frame? I don't know, but let's try. Let's try and keep this tight. I'm not going to give you a strict 60 second time limit, Diane and Tatten, but I think we'll try and keep it concise and with action points that people can take away clearly. Okay. <laughs> okay, let's see what we can do. We've got local elections in England and in Northern Ireland. I don't think we've got any in Scotland or Wales. Now, local elections are about how your community is run. They are not about the Rwanda policy. They're not about the NHS. They're not about anything else that you might see, whether Rishi Sunak is tough on crime or soft on crime or whatever else. They're about how often your bins are collected. They're about how your buses run. They're about your libraries. They're about your potholes. They're about your council tax. They're about your social care. In order to engage properly, you need to know what your candidates are suggesting for your area. Because here in in the Canterbury district of Kent, the different parties suggesting different things to the Thanet district of Kent, you know, a few miles away. So it's not a national picture. I was speaking to a councillor on Monday. They were saying they're really upset because they put their back into it for the last four years. They've done great things over the last four years, but they're upset because this isn't an appraisal. He doesn't feel like there's a fair appraisal of what he's done and too many people are focusing on a national picture, right? Rather than looking at the record and him being able to say, I've done this, 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 and this, and should you really let me, I'll do this, this, and this. When he's speaking to voters, they get cross with him because of things that have happened across the country. The takeaway, the action point, Kobe, from me, I don't know if you want to add something with Diane, but from me is look at what your local people are saying. You will almost certainly have had some leaflets through the door. Go into your recycling bin, take them out again, (laughs) read them. Look for key promises. That's the point. Don't look for we're nice people. Don't look for I've helped out the dog's home. Look for if I'm elected, I will do this and then make a choice. I stopped one of those leaflets going into the recycling bin. And one thing that struck me with all of those which is an interesting point based on your saying, don't work on the fact that they said they're nice people. All of them said to a point from one of the parties, I've lived in this area since I was X years old. I was educated in this area. I've got, I've got kids who grew up with it. I'm like, 
Does that matter? Maybe. Oh, Kobe, honestly, that that is what local elections bring out, though, don't they? Because they think local people understand local issues. So, yes, I have got leaflets and unbelievably because it's Devon, a Devon constituency. Mine even go further and say, I am fifth generation in this village. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, but that is not their record at doing good things. So there is a clear difference. So definitely look out for it and, and just get down there. Don't forget. Go down on the 4th, find out where your polling station is and make sure you do vote. I would just add one last thing. I've said only do it on local issues. But Vanessa, you say you don't know what's going on. Maybe, Vanessa, you live somewhere where they haven't put anything through your door. If you want to vote, the local parties should represent the values, not the actions, but the values of the National Party. So if you can't find any information and no one's planting through your door, and no one knocks on your door, whatever else, it's not a stupid thing to do to vote for a party that you have previously voted for, a party with whom you feel you have a connection, with whom you feel you believe some of the same things, because there are values and ideologies at play. It's obviously better to, get to understand their local policies if you can, but ideology and value goes quite a long way. Well, look at that, guys. Let's head to the third part of the podcast. That's the PM watch. Let's see what Rishi Sunak's is mathsing on about. I'm <laughs> oh, sorry, talking on about. Uh, so, yeah, maths. Maths, 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 maths. <laughs> it's a really strange thing. It was announced a while ago, and then he's come back and he's announced it again without much more detail about it. He got in trouble because you're not allowed to make announcements during an election time. There's something called PERDA when you shouldn't be making government announcements that might influence people. So he got a bit of trouble for that. He thinks, in theory, that if we all knew maths better, we could all be more productive. He hates the fact that people will say, I'm not very good at maths, he, 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 which is true, which we do, which we've all heard people say if we haven't said it ourselves. So he wants to do it. It's still just an idea. It's still not clear how he's going to do it. We do have a shortage of math teachers. It is something that's important to him, and maybe it'll help. Maybe it won't. I don't know. Will it? It might do. Maths is good. <laughs> and it's not about A-level maths. It's about functioning maths. It's about, it, it, it's about just, just general numbers skills. And it is important to be good with numbers. Needs to show his workings. This is what he's not doing. Oh, he's just coming up and said Have maths. you written down lots of maths gone... references uh, before this? <laughs> <laughs> yes. I was just thinking about gladiators, but yeah, oh. you are coming up with equations <laughs> and, and other workings things. His gladiator name was Pythagoras, I think. <laughs> <laughs> no, anyway, one of my favourite parts of this story this week, I, d- I don't know if you saw this at all, but Ed Balls, who was a shadow chancellor at one point, admitted he's taking his maths A-level for the first time. And his mother-in-law is teaching him. What, Yvette Cooper's mum? Is teaching him. Yeah. Look into that. Look into that. <laughs> I mean, Yvette Cooper's so stern. Like, like she's she's a good shadow homesick because she's stern. and She tells off Swallow Braveman, who are her, her opposite number. And I'd imagine Yvette Cooper's mum is quite a strict teacher. I'm slightly scared about learning maths from Yvette Cooper's mum. Well, I thought it was a good admission. I guess you're right that Rishi isn't actually saying about A-levels, but... 
the fact that Ed Balls was shadowed Chancellor without mass A-level is quite something. It's interesting that Ed Balls is doing his mass A-level years after doing it. And I know people have taken pride in going back and doing exams that they feel they could have done better or they feel like they didn't have the opportunity to do so. So, I mean, that's a different thing. It's just, I just still feel that I kind of get what Rishi's talking about with we need to do more maths. I just don't think he's presenting the story in a way that is engaging and will get people behind him. What I like, and I've said this on this podcast time and time again, what I like is when politicians see a problem and try and fix it, right? We, don't, we Our productivity isn't good enough in this country and our numerous levels aren't, aren't, aren't that good in this country. So he's trying to fix that. He's found a solution that he thinks will work and he's given it a go. And I'd much rather have politicians that do that than politicians that do nothing at all or talk up a big game or whatever. So why not? Let's give it a go. Let's see how it works. Let's head to the final section. That is the crystal ball, guys. What do you think we'll be talking about in the next podcast? I'm still going to be all about local elections next week. Your recycling bin is going to be even fuller. I expect lots from the Lib Dems. They've been very active. They keep doing um, requests for uh, information and then coming up with great stats at the minute to support their local election staff. They're all over that nearly every day. Expect policy, expect talk. But but as you say, it's more the local level stuff. You might even get a knock on the door next week. You never know. It's the last full week before local elections. I got a, a, a we missed you card from a councillor. Really? Yeah, yeah, through the door. They knocked on my door and they had their phone number and stuff. Yeah, it's quite lucky for them. They didn't see me. <laughs> <laughs> ah, this is interesting. I've been smoking for a long time. And I, uh, yeah, I would have enjoyed that. Uh, my crystal ball. Well, I, I, the question you just asked, Kobe, is what are we going to be talking about next week? And gladiators is what we're going to be talking about <laughs> next week. Also, I mean, on Sunday, we've got that emergency alert on phones. No, I didn't want you to remind me. I wanted to have it as a surprise. <laughs> At three o'clock and 2.30. Um, Oh. People, people do forget game. what I've said I'm very gonna, soon after I finish speaking. I'm going so to get a neuralizer okay. from Men in Black. <laughs> We've posted about a couple of times. It's going to be a thing. It's going to be quite exciting. But, but you know, the, 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 everyone's very keen to point out that if you have a second phone because you're in a like abusive thing, like just turn the phone off or we can switch off the alerts or whatever. And it's really interesting because that that narrative came out very soon. I don't know how many people are in that situation, but that narrative of we've got to protect those people was very, very quick. And the government have it front and center on their webpage about it. Gif gaff are my mobile people. And when they sent me an email about the thing, they had in big, bold writing information for people who have second phones because they're, and they always point out that it's only to their, they're only trying to help people have second phones because they're vulnerable rather than people have second phones because they're cheating bastards. They always say why you might have a second phone that you would want to hide. They're not trying to help you if you've just got a second phone for Tinder. There we go. On that bombshell, guys. Uh, let's leave it there for this week. I'm looking forward to seeing what people's reactions are to that alert. Well, guys, it's been a pleasure to see you again and looking forward to see you all next week. Thank you very much. just heard a stripped media production.